Welcome to Writers Talking TV, brought to you by the Writers Guild of Canada. I'm James Hurst, and I'm a screenwriter who's worked on Canadian series such as Winona Earp, Slasher, and Being Erica. Today, I'll be speaking with Carol Hay, co-creator of Frankie Drake Mysteries, and with showrunner Cal Coons. Frankie Drake Mysteries takes us back to 1920s Toronto, when the town's only female private detective takes on cases the police don't want or can't handle. Here's my conversation with Carol Hay and Cal Coons about Frankie Drake Mysteries, recorded in front of an audience at Tiff Bell Lightbox in Toronto. Well, welcome everyone. Uh, welcome to Writers Talking TV, brought to you by the Writers Guild of Canada. Uh, I'm James Hurst. I'm a screenwriter. I've worked on shows like uh, Winona Earp, Slasher, and Being Erica. Tonight, I'll be speaking with Carol Hay, co-creator and, show- and also showrunner Cal Coons about Frankie Drake Mysteries. Uh, Cal Coons is over there, is a writer, director, and showrunner of Canadian series. His credits include The Listener, Remedy, The Republic of Doyle, and Murdoch Mysteries, which he developed for television. Carol Hay is a veteran screenwriter who has written 20 episodes of Murdoch Mysteries, uh, as well as working on... I counted. I counted on IMDb. I was very impressed. Uh, As well as working on series like Shoot the Messenger. Sadly, co-creator Michelle Ricci could not make it tonight. She sends her regrets. Frankie Drake Mysteries takes us back to 1920s Toronto when the town's only female private detective takes on cases the police don't want or can't handle. From booze runners to G-men to communists and union busters, Frankie's fearless sense of adventure gets her into all kinds of trouble, but she always manages to find her way out. So, Carol, while you and Michelle were working on Murdoch Mysteries, uh, you had the seed of an idea for a female-centered detective series. Can you talk about that seed and how it grew into Frankie Drake? Um, well, it was the first, I guess it was the first season, Michelle joined us in season five of Murdoch, and Michelle and I shared an office. And as you do when you're working on a series, you've got story ideas, you had thoughts, characters. <clears throat> and we were constantly saying, that would be a great character for a female private detective. And we would do this, bat this around, for several months and uh, maybe it was even into the next season we finally I finally said Michelle this is ridiculous we should just write this up so we did and we came up with a a concept for a female private detective agency and because Murdoch was set in Victorian times we wanted to just change it up so we went what about the 1920s and that was that was basically it we wrote a an eight page um sort of proposal Mm-hmm. And then we actually got our act together and pitched it around. And Shaftesbury picked it up. We actually had a couple of offers, but Shaftesbury picked it up with a view to it being um, a, uh, a sequel, uh, um, what do you call it? Companion piece? No, well, not so much no? kind of as a replacement for Murdoch, when Murdoch slowly... So we were playing a long game, and we knew that when we optioned it with Shaftesbury that it would be as a replacement for Murdoch, and that was always Shaftesbury's plan. But Except Murdoch, Murdoch wasn't going anywhere. But Murdoch hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> it, won't, it will not stop. Yeah. So, exactly. So, um, then, do you want me to just talk a little bit what happened last fall? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah so, last October, so not really very long ago at all, Christina got a call from Shaftesbury, from CBC. What else did she have kicking around because they were looking for something to follow Murdoch, looking for that nine o'clock slot. What did she have anything? And she said, 
think actually she pitched another series before ours, the cheek of it. And then she said, and then there's this two female private detectives in the 1920s. And CBC jumped on it and put it into instant development. And how long from that moment till you uh, got on screen? Well, it was f- for me. I don't know from that moment because uh, it was an I, extra two weeks. Yeah, I, t- <laughs> I didn't join it for another couple of weeks, but it was literally. I got called, I believe, November first, mm. and we were on the air November sixth. So one year, one week yeah. later, one year, we, one week. we had the show on the air. Mm-hmm. And Cal, can you describe how you came how you came aboard? Um, well, um, Christina Jennings, who's the uh, owner of Shaftesbury, she. Um, she just called me one night and said, we've got this um, new series that we're uh, putting into development and talked me through it. And we'd done Murdoch together, obviously, way back when. And um, she felt I might be a good fit with this. And <clears throat> so we, you know, talked about it. And for me, it was interesting because um, obviously if somebody's going to, um, if a network's going to come to you and say, you know, let's go right into development. You know, it's got a shot, you know, and I'm not really super interested in spending a lot of time in development anymore. Um, I want to make a show. And so there's a lot of appealing things about it. You know, I knew Carol and Michelle and and, um, and I knew they were good people. And um, I worked with Shaftesbury and uh, and if the, if the network was interested, it all felt like a, a good situation because... You know, when you go, if you go, if you go sign up to Showrun, um, you, you better bring your work boots, right? You know, because it's it can be tough, and um, especially for year one. So this was this looked like a good situation, and I said, yeah, and I like the, I like the premise. I thought it had a shot, you know. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, we got the call from CBC, and the next day we were in a meeting at Shaftesbury, and you know, in the whole discussion about who would be the team, etc. There was one name on the show runner list, and it was Cal. And uh, that was our number one choice, and it was so clear that it was a good fit because Cal had developed and really put Murdoch on the map, working with Shaftesbury. And then I came, I joined Murdoch much, I didn't, I wasn't in the first two seasons of Murdoch when Cal was show running it, but Cal did development in season three. He brought me on as a, I got a gig as a, um, freelancer on season two, and in season three, I uh, Cal led development. He didn't show run that year, but we got to work together then. And then Cal came on. Cal directed a lot of episodes of, of Murdoch, so we worked together and developed. There was an automatic sort of working relationship right built in. Excellent. Uh, one thing I was curious about is this is some of the creative team. You know, some quite a lot of the creative team who've done Murdoch and Murdoch has this huge devoted fan base, right? That won't go away and just keeps building. So Frankie Drake arrives with a certain amount of expectations, mm-hmm. right? But I, I was actually really struck when I watched it, that it's more about the differences than the similarities. So I just wonder like how many, what were the creative conversations like um, in terms of, is this too much like Murdoch? Is this not enough like Murdoch? Like, was there, or was it even a discussion at all? Well, yeah, yeah, no. Like, I mean, I mean, kind of, it's in our DNA, right? Yeah. So, so we just by being aware of Murdoch, kind of don't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Uh, um, I mean, we'd often sit down and go, like, you know, what are those key things? And I think that it's mostly about Frankie and the style of detective Frankie mm-hmm. is. Um, she's 
she's not a polymath or anything like that. She's not, uh, you know, um, you know, this kind of genius mind that's going to do it. She operates functionally completely differently. So, so I think that, that, that made for, for, for a difference. And I think, you know, we, we still dipped into some things. We pulled a couple of hysterical, historical characters that we thought were interesting and that was fun to do, but we don't go to the inventions and she doesn't make up those kinds of, uh, of, of uh, key pieces of technology she needs to solve crimes. Um, but I think there's thematic similarities. I mean, to me, one of the attractive things about Frankie Drake when I was thinking about her is, is like, and I think, and I, and I won't, It'd be very difficult for me to do a show, uh, certainly an episodic series, with a cynical central character Mm -hmm. in it. And I I strongly believe that one of the big things that sells Murdoch is the fact that he, while he knows the character and he knows the human soul and things like that, he, at his heart, is not a cynical character. and, um, And Frankie shares that with him, and I think that we tried to plunder the things that work, right? But not the overt kind of um, story engine stuff. Yeah, and also the thing about Murdoch is he really believes in the law and that what we have now with a private detective is someone that can break the law. So in a way, what we had to do was find what was her truth, you know, what, 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 what would she do and not do? And that was that was really fun to do because with Murdoch you really are operating within very strict uh, strictures of of how he would operate, and he's very much a law-abiding guy. Um, uh, um, something else I was going to say, I forgot what it is, but you know what I'm saying, Carl. Yeah. Right? That we had some fun with that, and uh, but it's also what does a, how does a private detective how does a private protect detective get the win? Because it's not, you're under arrest, you know, because she doesn't arrest people. Mm-hmm. So it, that was an interesting sort of And the cases, thing. I think the cases yeah. are, are another, like, if somebody's murdered, you don't go to a private eye, right? You go to, <laughs> go to the police, right? So you might come tangentially to a, a, a murder case. You know, that's one of those ones where you, how much story engine time do we want to make mm-hmm. setting up why, you know, you're taking a case from somebody else? It, mm-hmm. It can it it oftentimes evolves to murder, but the door in is different. Um, we did we did the one we did last night started with a dead body. I think that's almost the first one, the only one we've done, isn't it? The, the somewhere in the city started with the dead body yeah, in, the, yeah. in the thing. Yeah, but but the body count isn't as high as Murdoch. Murdoch's a, Murdoch's an extremely dangerous guy to know. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Frankie's not nearly as dangerous. Uh, and and then you know from an actual story point of view, I think you know we tried to uh, you know we you know I mean I, like Carol said I've directed a lot of Murdochs, so I have a certain kind of feel about you know how we're gonna you know maybe treat the camera a little differently and mm-hmm. uh, some look stuff that's different a little different pace. yeah different pace different look we we knew that we didn't want to. And we couldn't actually compete with Murdoch. I don't think we can. You know, I think it's it's its own beast and it does its own things and it does it so well. Um, it's kind of impo- You know, it's really it really works well. And and uh, there's no point. In, you know, the audience has just watched it. It doesn't want to watch it again. It wants to watch a cousin or something that delivers the same heart or values and uh, things. Mystery. That are, yeah, and the, and the mystery. Mystery is definitely you know part of it. Um, it's a different type of mystery and, you know, probably less complex than Murdoch's mysteries. Um, 
But, you know, these are things that evolve too with time, you know. But one of the things we did build on that I think is similar to Murdoch, and, and it, this was something that sort of organically developed through the first season, is that Murdoch has a family of characters. They're all cops, mm. all this, all that, but there's a real sense of this is the little family that you meet. And I think, as uh, it, those of you that may be watching it, um, that we developed, what, what has developed through the first season is a family of characters. And I think that's also something that we didn't set out intentionally to go, who's in this family? Uh, but that's that's evolved, and maybe that's what Cal is also saying. Like because we all came from the Murdoch world, Michelle, Cal, and I, um, that that maybe intuitively we knew that that was a something to go for. Yeah, I think I think you get archetypes, right? You know, mm -hmm. like, I think I think they just help naturally in that type of storytelling. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to have your your leader, and then you're going to have your sergeant at arms, and you're going to have your side sidekick, and your and the wise sage. And these are, you know, if you're into that kind of you know hero's journey stuff, you know, I think these characters pop up everywhere, and I think you can see see that you know you look at bones, you look at whatever, you're going to get those kinds of mm -hmm. characters. So you know, there's some of that DNA as well. Yeah. But it was it was not intentional, really. No. You know what I mean? Like in a way, we were very fortuitous with a couple of casting decisions, and 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 that that's it's really gelled with these. And and really, it's given I think Frankie Drake a real sort of um, uniqueness in that it's four female leads. It's for a character with it's got a lead in Frankie, but then you know all the all the main characters are women. Well, and speaking about that, I was intrigued. Um, your choice of the 1920s um, is a very interesting time to set um, for a story that is so primarily about women. And I wonder if you could talk about that and, and uh, how you're using the time uh, of the 20s to talk about, you know, this is a time when a woman could have a private detective agency, which she probably couldn't have in the 1890s, for example. Mm -hmm. So um, I find that very, I think that's for me what makes it very contemporary is that you're talking about well, Michelle and I are both love historical stuff, um, just naturally. But the thing about historical stuff that we really like as well is that you can explore social issues in a very bald way, which if you did it in a contemporary show, people would be like, oh, please don't bang me over the head. But because there's that sort of historical veil. It's, it gives it, you a frame? It, uh, well, and it gives you a sort of, um, yeah, it's still the same. Analogy. Frighteningly. Yeah, and, and it, well, sometimes it's even the same. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. You know, yeah. in some issues, or you, yeah, you can do it in a more bald way, um, but still address the same sort of contemporary issues. Um, so we always like that about history. But the thing about the 1920s, um, and this is something because we knew the Victorian era so well, that the thing about the 20s was it was this incredible little sort of pocket of time between the end of the First World War and the beginning of the Great Depression. There was an incredible optimism. Everybody wanted to put the war behind them. And I think this is true, not just in Canada, throughout the world. And, um, and it was also a time where women had really come into something of their own during the First World War. They'd taken jobs, etc. And there was, a, there was a huge economic boom, which was happening in Toronto. Toronto was really becoming the city that it is now. The beginnings of that were happening at that time. But women could, for the first time, really, in modern history, live outside their parents' home or their husband's home. So actually, we, we, Michelle found this great book when we were on Murdoch. It was called Toronto's Girl Problem. And it was about 
it was largely about what happened to these women who now, these girl women, you know, in their 20s, who were not living at home, not married yet, and they were getting into all kinds of trouble because, you know, they were out at night and they were drinking and really having a great time, but running into some issues. So yeah, the Toronto's girl problem, in fact, Cal used the phrase in the episode he wrote in the episode that aired last week, um, became sort of one of our, I mean, we joked about it, and we joked about this book, and uh, but, but there was something really, really interesting to mine that idea of optimism and women really sort of stepping out. And our, our characters are doing that, that, you know, they're really sort of stepping out of where they should be. And a lot of the cases they take on are driven by women also doing that, or they've got themselves into trouble because they, you know, went when they shouldn't have done. Well, and also it's that, it, it's that they... You know, they had no no one to turn to, right? Like exactly. their their mothers and grandmothers had no experience doing anything like this. So, you know, they were kind of you know um, could be fall prey to to things that you know they would had never learned about, right? And uh, so the need for them to deal with their problem, they, you know, imagine going to the police or some sort of male-based institution to try and sort this out. You know, it's 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 ripe for for a female for a female private detective, detective. Yeah. A private detective. Yeah. and you know, Frankie. You know, obviously, it, interestingly enough, the um, the whole thing of the uh, you know, like there were female detectives. Pinkertons used all all kinds of them. They had a small army of them, but they were really about trapping wayward men, right? Like that. That was their big job. So Frankie, we decided we could make something else. You know, she wasn't a door knocker or something like that. She, you know, took cases that she cares about people and 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 particularly women who had who had uh, mm, less places to turn than maybe others. You know, but we're we're not uh, we're not above also playing the game of you know women could go women could get into places where men couldn't, and uh, you know that's one of the one of the cards that they can play. Right. And uh, well, we we, we kind of have like a uh, we took this idea like you know people often ask you about your main character what's especially with the de detectives what's their superpower yeah. what is it that you know that makes them unique in and you'll get it from the networks all the time or, or the or your distributor or, or your actors even will come and ask mm -hmm. you you know what makes this character unique and what we felt with Frankie was. Rather than making her, you know, a Holmes or something like this, she had the ability to marshal a small group of of uh, marginalized. It's sort of like a almost if you think of them as a, the Baker Street Irregulars in Sherlock Holmes. You know, they're 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 women. They're they're janitors. They're you know the Sturvings class. They're and they have secrets everywhere they see everything they know the garbage they know the they know everything that's that's being being kept a woman can walk into a room with a tray of tea to deliver to the men who are talking about you know the top secret bomb that they're building because they don't think twice about her they're invisibles and yeah. and we thought that's a way for frankie to really you know if if they're clever and they can do those sorts of things they, then that can become the bedrock of the show they don't do it all the time there's a moment i think even when trudy does that when she approaches a a valet, I think, and get some information. Yeah, 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 so exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, instead of having a coroner or something like that, we've got a woman who can't be a coroner, so she's the morgue assistant and desperately wants it. And, and we've got, it, it, interestingly, we discovered there was morality off, like as a, you couldn't be a, a female police officer at that 
point, there were none. Um, they had five what they called morality officers, and women could be a morality officer. And basically, they enforced skirt lengths and women out in parks after night or unaccompanied women or uh, things like this. So it, it well, really, really they were was policing fun. the morals of the Toronto's women. Those. But they also were in the police station, and they could see the records, and you know anything. So we thought those are fun, fun ways. She's a great character too. Yeah, really enjoyed Rebecca Lydia brought her to life, and that's what Carol was talking about. You know, we didn't know what we had on our hands when we cast her, and we saw we had gold, and you sort of go like, and and you know Sharon Matthews plays Flo. The Flo is also uh, sort of this female Lothario. Right. Yeah, well, I just yeah. love that she's she gets more action than anybody in the show. Yeah, and, exactly, and, that's Cal's idea. Yeah, well, <laughs> well yeah, and we and we we cast her very late in the day, yeah. and and um and she she seized the day, and it was, you know, as as a writing department, you know, you kind of it's a gift. Yeah, it like is that, totally. Right? Them. Oh, great! Yeah, right. Totally, and you get chemistry, and sometimes they can be a B runner or, or whatever. Or they have their own subplots and. You've got gold, like you said, just gold. Yeah. And and yeah, you know, if you're alert enough and you see it coming, then you go like, oh, geez, let's use this. How does this work? You know. And that wasn't, you know, we set out, we we developed the character of Flo, the morgue attendant. We developed the character of um, the morality officer who had, and we developed her specifically for one episode, um, with a view that she might recur, da da da. And that episode, which is going to air as episode six. The yeah. flashback episode? Uh, the, which, no, f- yeah. Uh, five. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, six. Yeah, yeah, six. It's yeah. going to air as six, was actually shot first. So the minute we right. saw Rebecca and that character, um, it was just like, this is something. And, you know, Christina was right on it, which was fantastic. Well, it, it was a funny, it was a funny, a funny process because we when we wrote it we thought we had something pretty funny yeah and humor is a big part of the show like mm-hmm. we we try to make this keep keep this light and uh, you know you you know there's a kind of a constant debate about is it a nine o'clock show because it's fun <laughs> uh you know and it's like it's a nine o'clock show because we put it on at yeah, nine o'clock you, you know o'clock. <laughs> and and hope, hopefully it finds its audience and this stuff but it but uh taking that digression away uh you know, when we started writing her, there was a lot of like, well, is this character too goofy? Is this too crazy? And, you know, and actually she evolved into something fantastic. And, and, and Re- Rebecca can pull it off and so mm-hmm. can Sharon, right? You know, and, and, and you know, yeah, we, we were extremely fortunate. We've got a great cast together. And w- when you got them, you can write to them, you know. That's right. But, let them grow. And, and uh, just quickly before we, uh, we screen the episode, I think some people here uh, might not have seen it. Um, I just want to ask you quickly about uh, the casting of Lauren Lee Smith, and and when uh, at what point did you did she just pop as Frankie, and what is it about her that that made her the perfect Frankie Drake? Well, um, Lauren, we'd all worked. Um, well, Carol, I guess didn't work on. I hadn't uh, worked with that. Yeah, yeah. We, we I did. I show ran Listener for for its second season. James, you were on Listener, so we we were all um, in the in the. Uh, she was in the Shaftesbury world. I liked working with her a lot. I thought she was fantastic, and and I just thought the way she carried herself, the way she moved, there was something about. And she's quirky, and she's funny, and she's you know great, you know just a great spirit. And I thought those are all kind of Frankie things. So it was really I had two actors in mind that I thought might be, might be perfect for this thing, and I never got to the second one. You know, it wow. just it and just. See- yeah, and we and sent it to send it to her, and she loved it. So and and the minute 
Lauren Lee Smith's name was mentioned CBC. They were just because they loved her in this life. Mm -hmm. So it was just it was just a sort of a confluence, and that was it. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, and and Lauren is is like I mean she's just you know never complains. Mm -hmm. Like this cast is fantastic. I have to say across the board, great spirits that work really hard and deliver. Wow. And Lauren is she's just your dream number one. I mean she just and she. I had a conversation with her and she was saying, you know, she's been on other shows and she's seen number ones where she hasn't been, said person. And she made a note of, she sort of thought of, well, if I'm going to ever be a number one, this is the person I want to be, the generous person, the person mm -hmm. who gives. And she is just wonderful and sets as, you know, sets the tone for the episode, much like Yannick does on Murdoch. Lauren sets this, this, this just generous tone and 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 positive and funny like honestly you go on to set and you know there's the four cast women and they're all sitting on their chairs waiting to go and then they're all laughing you know That's and then great. you throw wendy cruzen into the mix oh my god they should be paying us yeah we we like the thing the thing was with both like lauren and yannick you know and, and actors like that they they are in every scene yeah. Like mm -hmm. every scene, like you know, and yeah. that that's and an, an Lauren's got a, a, a one year old and she's carrying that weight on her shoulders happily, you know, and so it's like it's 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 fantastic that and uh, that they do this, and and that they give because oftentimes they are the you know functionally in the story they're they're kind of the center, and the other people around them kind they of get to be fun and exciting. They and, get and Lauren has to do the exposition. Yeah, and, and yeah. she's got to yeah. carry that or, or sometimes carry the, the the drama, and you know, like that's the the conundrum we have as as writers about how do you um, how do you foster that character? How, what what are the what are the failings? Because oftentimes failings define the character, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the push from, you know, oftentimes from, from people who read it or, or, or uh, ex executives or, or, uh, is, that, is that, well, does our character look silly? Does our character look, you know, weak? Mm -hmm. Does our character... And, and those are the things, like, you have to find a clever way to get both out, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's your, it's, that kind of becomes my job because I kind of have to... You know, you know, wrangle a, a lot of uh, of opinions into a, a go forward kind of position, and I'm you know going like, beg me, believe me, this is going to work, mm -hmm. or we, we or then we fight about it, or sometimes you know, but but we all get along, you know, but it's uh, but Cal gets be to do blood. the hard bit, we get to go. No, we want it to be like this. This Cal is a has good to go idea. And then you know, weave it through. <laughs> no, you know, you know, I mean, it's 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 you know, like like Lauren's a perfect example of, of you know somebody who is very funny. She's like a f very funny person, and 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 strangely enough, you, I think if you stick with the show over the year, you're going to see a lot of guest stars come in who you you've never seen, kind of do these kind of comedic turns like Laura Vandervoort, uh, you know, from came in and and is hilarious. Wow. She was dying to do some comedy, and it, and it's like it's you know it's kind of pulled back. You know, I I always say to them. You know, like, don't hit this. You know, don't, you don't got to work, you don't have to work the comedy. 
just delivered it straight, it. it's yeah. going to be fine. And and they come in, and, and, and it's really interesting to see what you can get, you know. And it's something about the 20s as well. It has a heightened reality that everybody has their idea of what the 20s is, right? So you put someone in a 20s dress and bang, you know, they're immediately right. larger than life. Or, you know, the, the episode Carl's talking about was written by John Callahan, who's here tonight. And uh, it's set in the movie world of the 1920s with the character of Max Sennett at the heart of it. And it's just, uh, I mean, it's sort of a bit outrageous, really, how, how yeah. over the top it is. But it works. It really works because it's the 20s. Yeah, right. we got we got a good good, good turnout from our yeah, we our have. We're going to introduce them. We're going to just talk. Andrew Burrows Trotman, who wrote next week's episode, is here with us. Kerry Perens, Lucy Paget, who saws through five, six, seven episodes. Actually, uh, Kerry was with us for the whole season. Yeah, as uh, as we wore down. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more after uh, we watch this episode, and uh, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, watching it with you guys and and uh for those who haven't seen it before i think you're going to be you know really really pleased so yeah. let's uh let's watch this bad boy it is the pilot episode this was actually designed um this was a much later episode that we episode it was actually written as it was episode actually written six. as episode six. We wrote, wrote it as episode six, and we pulled it up. But interestingly enough, when we were first fighting uh, to find what the show was in the in the room, we did a um, we wanted to start with a kind of a, a pearl heist, a jewel heist story, and um, and it got rejected. Um, basically, it was about stakes. Who who rejected it? Um, Job spring. Oh, I was going to say this. You don't need to know. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm sorry. The cone of silence here, people. It's sorry. a big cone. Don't, That's don't it no, it, it, it's not. It's no, just, but that was fair enough. It the, was, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was about no. stakes. Yeah, they, they felt they were worried that 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 you know when you you go to air off your pilot, you wanted to sticks. Would would there be enough sticks? Would you care enough? And so. Um, so that that was something that we were working on, but but I the the show doesn't really matter which one it was. I was completely I I I don't like setup episodes. If I had a time machine, I go back to my show Blue Murder that we did back in two thousand, and we got badly beaten up over a big setup, and it was pointless. We should have just gone right into the show. I think was a. One of the got it off on a bad start, and if I had a time machine, I'd go back and I'd do that. There's a big takeaway that I've always kept with myself that I just want this person to go, and I don't really care if the audience is slightly confused or whatever. I actually think they're smart enough that they'll catch up to me. Yeah, I thought it was deliberate. Yeah. As a viewer, I, yeah. I was completely... we did it. We did it with the, with, the, with the episode, which which is actually the pilot. We did that, mm -hmm. and we kept uh, and um, they're, they're they're remarkably similar in structure. But we also talked a lot about this idea of of in a funny way, your first season is like a series of pilots, and we keep hammering away at some of that stuff over and over again. Anybody who's had the um, had the experience of trying to do something for uh, an American. Um, um, you know, big America, the, the the big three or four or whatever. You know, they'll talk a lot about at least they used to. Um, you know that every episode's a pilot is essentially a pilot, and you make a first year of, of pilots. And so, we you know we tried hard to to do it. And then when we actually looked at the show, we realized it worked. It you know like that show worked. It 
you know, pacing wise, it had what we wanted. It had story wise what we wanted, and it really actually introduced all those elements. And because we 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 take, I guess, you know, we we try to set the who are the detectives in an episode, and then later we'd say by just giving them a case, and then who's she and tell her story about her, about it. It just became the story about her came first. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was interesting because. I actually think now, when I think of the episode, all of the 11 episodes, I think only one of them plays where they were originally designed when we wrote them. That's amazing to me. Number That's nine. really great. Right. Yeah. Maybe, so maybe not even. <laughs> and, and, when yeah. <laughs> and when did you make this uh, decision to move, what was episode six, I think you said, up into the pilot? Um, when we began to see them cut, mm. and, uh, and uh, especially after it got cut, we you know, one of the things we were pushing, and I think it's, you know, part of what, you know, we tried to push towards, at least I was feeling, was the pace. Yeah. Get a real up pace. I wanted a, a hard pace. And, um, you know, I wanted, and that show was one of the ones where we really began to, like, you know, the, the rate of rapport between the actors was high. And the camera was, you know, getting a bit more aggressive. And, you know, and, and that kind of, that was kind of the feeling we were going for. And it was pretty hard to actually keep that up for the entire show. And so it didn't, not every episode's like that, but it really played well. But but when we saw the cut of it come together, then it yeah. was like, clearly this is pretty good. We got something good. And Wendy, you know. Wendy really up the stakes. I mean, or, or up the ante, like her, just her delivery, everything, how she interpreted that character. It's very much the character that was written, but the way she took it and just amped it. She's, really she's so great difference. in it. And, and uh, mm-hmm. I really love that moment where they're walking in. Yeah, to the she, hotel and she, she that little half wave. Yeah, she put, yeah. she just she's always she goes thinking. To touch her and yeah, then, and then no. and pulls yeah. back. Yeah, it's so interesting to watch Wendy. Um, I didn't see. I, I didn't. I wasn't on set particularly for this episode, but there's another episode. She 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 returns. You'll be pleased to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was an episode where she's on, and you know I would be in and out and here and there and set and you know Wendy she never stops working like she's not on set she's she's running her line she's da 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 and you know no one's around her and she's just there she is she's going through it all she just is such a professional and by the time she hits the 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 stage and she's you know she's ready she knows what she wants to do she and Lauren would run lines and and just work work the scenes by themselves just off in a corner somewhere it was fantastic to watch that that level of professionalism and I th- I think it really shows on the screen she loved doing this part and when I had um, directed a few episodes of um, a show called Remedy and um, one of the things we tried to do hard on that show especially in first season was um, get a Thin Man. Uh, if you haven't seen the Thin Man movies, you should. Um, from the thirties, uh, William Powell, Mary Astor, and you know. Anyway, it's great. No, um, great uh, repartee, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, and the pace is like this. Yeah. It's like faster than what we see now. Uh, yeah. you know, it was. It, and 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 um, and so on. Remedy, we tried to go for that kind right. of pace, and I remember, you know, the lead director handing me something and the, sp- and the showrunner going, you know, with it, and, you know, and so it's it kind of like, you know, I kind of felt we had an opportunity to to get this kind of, um, a kind of a pace and stuff like that, but you need the, you need the actors to embrace mm-hmm. that, yes. and it's hard for them because, of course, you learn, you know, like, it's not something that's done commonly, and so... 
And also from from a production point of view, we learned a lot about how long scripts need. I was to just going to ask, how long were your scripts? If they're, they're not long enough, <laughs> our scripts were our scripts were about fifty six pages, and I think apart from one episode, all of them came in short. It yeah. was like a nightmare. Because we were constantly nightmare, having yeah. to write new scenes, fit them in, fit them into the schedule, fit them into the story. Because, you know, one hopes with a mystery, you've got a pretty tight structure. Mm. And to find places where you could, you know, it was, it was yeah. really, we will not be doing that. No, I think, I, think it, I think it's, we, we know now a script mm-hmm. should be about 60, maybe 61 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, also, scene count has is, uh, is got to be fairly high. Like, you need to be constantly moving from here to here. So I think we're looking at... Probably about forty-five scenes. You know, That's we went as low as I think thirty-nine in one script, and probably as high as like seventy. You know, but but we we really, you know, every POV is a is a separate slug line. You know, we 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 break it out so it's overly boarded in a funny way. But but a lot of scenes, so you you got forward movement, and you know, so the de- detective can be sleuthing. Right. And that, uh, you know, and then that was a debate, or not a debate, but an issue with production because, especially when we tried to shoot not in our studio, you know, there was only so much we could do outside, and they would be encouraging us to do longer scenes, la la la. So, but we've really learned that now, and yeah, um, you'll see the pace shifts through the. Th- the, the eleven episodes, wouldn't you say, Carl? Yeah, I'd, I'd say this mm-hmm. is probably one of more. This, this is, is this one of the snappier ones, just yeah. because of. Of that mother-daughter thing. Yeah, and 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 uh, that particular director, Ruba Nada, did a really yeah. nice job. She, Ruba, you know, really took it, and you know, we talk about these things and prep, and you know, when I try to express what we'd like to see from it, and she just goes, "I know what to do with this." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she really went for it in the next episode in the series, and we had a, you know. To varying degrees, success to success with it. We learned a lot at the beginning, and then you know, um, I think the show really was beginning to gel around. She this point. Uh, this she the, directed episode two as well. Is that correct? She did. That you yeah. Wrote? Yeah. So were those six and seven, and you pulled them up? They were actually uh, uh, three. Uh, we blocked three and six. Well, here, here's here's what happened uh, when we were in development. Uh, the first chunk of development, we we wrote what would become episode four. And episode um, one, w- no nine, right? And, and, one, and one, one and six, and six. So you know, like it was an elliptical route we chose, and then and then when we came, <laughs> we came out. Um, so four, we shot first, and we yes. sh- with the thinking being an inside pilot kind of deal. Right. Um, but part of the problem was um, <laughs> uh, we in our, the studio we took was actually uh, Star Trek's. Um, Car, uh, paint shop, uh, a carp, carp shop, one of them. Uh, so they had our 90,000, what we thought was an amazingly big studio they used for paint. And that was just their carpentry shop. We walked in and there was, there was just uh, chunks of bridges everywhere and, you know, like weird, weird spaceship parts everywhere. But they got out of there late, so we actually were delayed in building our, our sets, which meant we couldn't really get into studio when we wanted to. And this script... The, the episode, episode four, four is mostly on the road, uh, on location, and it's anomalous that way. And so we went with it. So we pulled up four, and then we shot uh, what would be what should have been. Um, we shot two next. Two, and then mm-hmm. and then and then we shot one, mm-hmm. and then we um, and, and then we went to block shooting after that. Those three were right. shot as single episodes. So then three and and six, uh, and six came up. 
only because we, we wanted to keep five back for a different reason in, in a different block. And so it puts quite a bit of pressure on um, post, actually, is, is, is the course. real problem. Right. But, but you can see why, if you're going to do that, you want to be able to slide the shows around because, you know, you're learning so much as you're, as you're writing, right? You know, as you're shooting, as you're uh, editing, beginning to see the shows come together. And there's a kind of a, a hysteria, you know, uh, that, that uh, it's, it's not a hysteria, but, but there's a lot of questions until you start seeing cuts come out. Mm-hmm. And if the cuts are still, if there's still some issues in cutting, then it doesn't quell until you get something that's working, right? And that, so uh, the show that was going to be episode th- two actually aired last night as episode three, was actually, <laughs> this is, maybe this is too Byzantine, was actually the first out of the door in terms of a cut. Um, for, it doesn't matter why. It just, it just was. So it went to CBC, and it was a show that had a bit of a sort of slightly, I don't want to say bucolic, because that makes it sound like you're all going to fall asleep, but it had a, had a slightly different tone to it, and CBC was expecting something much more fast-paced. So that actually went through a huge amount of of editing and change it are also one of the ones that because it was early shot that was short so um we learned a lot through mm. through that process through yeah. editing of of that episode yeah and, and 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 there was um for various reasons scenes that we decided to nuke and um yeah. um so it would have been long enough but based on our own decision we actually made it shorter than and you know like even even that one that we yeah. screened tonight we wrote um we wrote stuff at the very end and in fact uh, there's like two or three scenes that were shot after you know, quite a ways after production when we got it cut down the way we wanted to and went mm-hmm. back and reshot there's three that's scenes a great in there. gift though too right when you get to go back and and fill in exactly what you need. It's, production didn't think so. Yeah, yeah. No, production didn't think so. And also, it, if the mystery's tight, like yeah, if it's a it's tightly wound plot, yeah. getting in there and finding that mm-hmm. kind of seam where you can insert this uh, and not and not double up the data and not mm-hmm. screw up the pacing too, because exactly. you want the audience to always yeah. be. So, like, the, yeah. like the, se- the second scene with Flo and and. Um, Mary, like Flo, wasn't in that episode, but we discovered that we liked Flo, and we and we thought, well, let's 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 add some stuff uh, with with her, and 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 how could we do that? So that was a scene that was shot afterwards. It was interesting because when we decided to make six, the first episode, um, it used to just it, it was just an episode that began with you know the scene where the pearls are stolen, and then you just went to the scene in the uh, of of. Um, Mary finding uh, Frankie at the at Quan's the speakeasy, and then the the yak yak there, and off we went. And we realised, well, hang on a minute. We want to introduce the agency. We want to introduce the other three characters. And then there was, you know, there was huge debates. Do we start with a big sort of chase sequence? You know, this is the pilot. Blah blah blah. And in fact, it had ended up being that really small sequence of the sting operation. You know, that they're doing in the in the office. Because we wanted to introduce Flo, we wanted to introduce Mary. And then CBC really liked the idea because we would have introduced Frankie in the first sequence, right? Because, you know, you meet Frankie way down. And CBC really liked the idea. And, 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 and I remember he, thinking it myself when I looked at the cut of meeting your hero in this really weird situation of this cupping scene. And it kind of works of the old, where's Frankie, where's Frankie? And then you find her in this really unusual 
yeah, circumstance. I, it, I think that worked really, really nicely. And, and, and kudos to CBC, who basically said, no, we're fine with finding her like that. And um, I, I think it kind of works. I think it works great. And again, I thought it was deliberate. I'm, I imagine a lot of people <laughs> did. Well, uh, it, it, in a funny way, like, like um, uh, you know, you, you look at the opportunities you get. Like, we couldn't really get on the road to shoot anything anyway i had i wrote a really really different scene carol carol Car- Car- <laughs> which um, um i was in a bad mood the day i wrote it and and it was outside and we couldn't we couldn't go there you know there's just yeah. like it's got to be done in studio and studio so then you're gonna go like okay well what what can we do you know mm-hmm. i mean that's where you have to work on a lot of these shows too and and you know um, we, we're trying to do the 1920s on a very modest budget, just mm-hmm. like you know, um, Murdoch does the, its period on a very modest budget. But Murdoch has 10 years of of, of sets and and stuff built up. We had stuff. nothing, yeah, stuff yeah. of stuff, mm-hmm. and 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 we, um, you know, we learned a lot about about what we could do and where we could go. Like like you know, you, we do a lot more green screen probably than than mm-hmm. we anticipated. Um, but the ex- the exterior of the hotel on that street, you know, we built that all digitally, and you know. But that the hotel, the, the front of the hotel, was all done by. I we have. Well, that was Luna Station, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and it was a huge green screen extension on it. But, but the uh, but the but the thing was, is we learned that after we we started. So it was like, you know, you get the question of how how are we going to get this out? How are we going to feel the city? You know, like, where's that episode coming? You know, how do we how do we show the 1920s with and we have three Model T's, right? Like, that's what we have. And then we rent a few other cars on days. So like half those cars you see in a shots are digital cars, right? You know, and and things that are Do you are get nervous in. when you see an actor driving one of your Model T's? Then, uh, I'm, I'm surprised if they're driving them like the most you know the, oh, the one caught really on fire hard to drive. like it yeah. like it, it literally could burst into flames we had a, you know with lauren and uh, and um somebody else and then they had to get People out like, get out get out and they're like Whoa, and there's look down and there's flames coming out of them yeah and and most of the time they don't work and and and, and truthfully mm-hmm. they're really not very yeah they're not easy to drive they, they don't behave properly right even if they're even Do if they, they have, have ABS brakes, they have. Uh, um, they've modernized them a little bit, mm-hmm. you, you know. Uh, like, but um, there's one that has the whole this period, and it's like we, you know, that's one that one of those um, one of the transport guys. We had a full time mechanic with us mm-hmm. too. They're all the time whenever the car was out, any of the cars were out, and. And in a funny way, that comes back to haunt the, the writing department because you kind of go like, oh, we wrote a car. Like we thought, oh, you know, this is a car age. You know, the, uh, let's let's write scenes. They're driving along and we'll do we'll do some toes and we'll do some mm, disasters. Like, I mean, there was, it was it was just like, oh, that ain't going to happen. So we learned that very early on. And now we're trying to figure out, is there a way we can do you know green screens it's like a scene you know you, you you could make it a set a recurring set like we're a standing set like that how do we how do we build this production so that we can show the 1920s and pay for it there's a big puzzle we figured out mm-hmm. it, there, there's a lot of puzzle solving uh going on in, in production and, and listening to you talk uh it, it reminds me of how and I, I hope this doesn't sound snotty or snide but people often say to me as a, as a screenwriter they say so you just you you just stay at home right and you just you just write the script and you 
you send it in and then the people make it right and you can hear where you know when you listen to these uh to Kyle and Carol talking about how much of this is is an insane amount of logistics and producing um and that's why we're on set and doing all these things i want to ask you um you got so many great characters in this uh steve lund i thought was great as young Ernest Hemingway he actually kind of looks like him and yet is but way handsomer um and uh is uh love interest uh for Frankie there am i am i reading the tea leaves correct you'll have to stay tuned well i guess we'll have to stay tuned yeah i don't know why i'm asking for spoilers <laughs> i don't know why i'm well, asking well, Fra- frankie's love life was a a matter of much debate and yeah. continues to be well i think that there's there's a couple of issues with it right the moment you introduce that um it adds a whole level of um it locks you into a screening order if they're if they're if their things are advancing so of course i'm lo- loath to do that you know the other thing is i think that it's really difficult to you know put people with because it it, 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 it it makes a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And if you want her to have um, an ongoing series of, you know, encounters with, you know, right. with different characters, and could she fall in love or be attracted to somebody or somebody attracted to her, you know, then it affects how we see her as a viewer. Is she, you know, like is she, um, you know, if she's got something going with Hemingway, can she, you know, really, you know, meet another character? And and we we wanted her to be a real free free spirit. Um, so we um, popped in and out of these things, and to I'd say varying degrees of success, you know. Well, of course, you will hear from your fans who are going to uh, push for shipping. So I'm I'm just doing it right here. I'm pushing for Hemingway and Frankie. <laughs> yeah, it's well, an yeah, iceberg ahead, you know. But yeah. uh, but also when Michelle and I conceived uh, the show, we really didn't want it to be about you know the romance and yada da. And we learned a lot from Murdoch. Uh, the Ogden Murdoch relationship, um, you know, which has actually ended up being wor- working terrifically. There was a great fear when they got, you know, they got together that oh, that will be the death knell of the show, et cetera, et cetera. But we really, we really wanted to explore this idea of these characters not, you know, leading more unconventional lives. So not necessarily falling for somebody. I mean, she's, you know, she'll have a flirtation with Hemingway, and. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, there was a, well, Hemingway was in the episode last night um, that aired last night, um, which was originally going to was written to go prior to the episode he's in now. If you know what I mean, like it was, well, he wasn't fact, originally he wasn't in the script at all. This one, he this one, yeah. he, I, we, I wrote it uh, some there scenes from was, on the fly. This yeah. was the, the, Hemingway was added the night before we shot this episode, not before it went to the floor. Yeah, we were we mm-hmm. up. It was a late night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Kerry friends, thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, but the um, but the thing is, it does it does lock you into a structure, which is my big thing. As as you know, I just don't like being pinned down, um, and I, I I like the idea that you know these things can like that they should be that we figure out a way that this person can be involved with this person, right. but that they, they can come in and out. And 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 actually, if you look at the at the way the year works, we have a lot of sort of semi-recurring characters. Mm-hmm. So we've got the four that are kind of the keys. And then we'll have um, a guy named Bill who's got a kind of a crush on, sh- on um, Trudy. We've got, uh, um, we've Moses. got ha- Moses, who's Frank- Frankie's boxing instructor. Uh, we, have a, um, we have Hemingway who pops in and out. Mm-hmm. Nora, who, who shows up three times in the, in, in the season as opposed to, you know, like... 
you know, so so there's those semi-recurring parts which we could have a lot of fun with because when obviously when Nora comes back, it's like, oh my god, I got to work with my mother again. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, there's a lot of it's rife of possibility, right? You know, mm. but it's really interesting to build a series that isn't dependent on a male female relationship. You know that that's not a a, a drive mm -hmm. and not mm -hmm. part of the narrative and not mm -hmm. part of the exploration of the character. Um, you know, and it's a bit of it, maybe it's a bit more of a challenge. But it just I just feel like Frankie, you've got a taste of from this episode of what her background is. She's not Miss Monogamy. She's not Miss I Want to Settle Down. This is a character who is still just you know she's a work in progress. She's still discovering herself. So I think her relationships with men should not be conventional. So that's, that's right, yeah. I think that that's really the territory we're operating in. And interestingly, you know, it, it might be that Trudy is more conventional, um, even though she appears to be, in some ways, the more out of, um, the more um, stepping out of what would be predictably a, a, a black woman in the 1920s. So. Was that a conscious choice to have, let's say, Frankie be someone who you'd expect to be more traditional but isn't? And um, I think... Yes and no. Mm. Um, and, and partially it just developed out of backstory yeah. because Trudy's backstory, you know, she has a family and it's firmly rooted in, mm -hmm. in um, and, and you get to meet her family. In, next uh, week's episode. Yeah, next week's at Andrew next Road. And uh, her mother is like really quite a character right you know Nora and, and Trudy's mother yeah well, I'm waiting too. for I've got yeah, next year's right. where, where <laughs> the two mothers have to work together but 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 Trudy's family familial situation is much more stable and in a funny and she's got um, her her background is you know rooted in a place and Frankie's isn't so in a funny way it just evolved it evolved out of their the natural extensions of their of their backstories when we when we work those through or struggle to work them through. <laughs> when when we first conceived the story, it was we had we we uh, when we first conceived the series. Michelle and I developed the characters so that Frankie. We, this is this is it, you know it's morphed since then, but Frankie was the one who was sort of like she could take or leave this detective agency. It was Trudy that was like. We need this. This is it because Trudy knew she needed the dollar. Frankie, she could fly by a seat of her pants. She could earn money here, there, and everywhere. It was Trudy that needed a job because she had she had responsibilities, and it was also her opportunity to have a life outside, a home where she could have easily just been pulled into, looking after her brothers, marrying yakety yak, and 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 you know partly the casting of Chantel, partly the way it's morphed. We haven't made it quite so, and 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 you know, the, you will learn through the course of the season how the agency came to be. So. Oh, that's great! Chantel is is terrific uh, mm -hmm. in this part. How did you, you know, come across her and, and talk about the casting of her? Well, that was she, wild. Uh, um, our, our casting director Stephanie Gorin had uh, cast. Um, Race, movie, yeah. race. Yeah, right. she she cast race, and so she had done this huge, wide sweep of of um, mm -hmm. actors who who we wanted to consider for it, and she came up with Chantal, and Chantal's actually it was on Broadway doing Lion King, so she's an amazing singer dancer, and um, and 
Reese was one, she hadn't done all that much acting, but she came in and she just blew us away. You know, it's just yeah. flat out like, wow, that's charming. And she got it and the smile and, you know, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. It was crazy when we saw her. It was just like, wow. They this, say this casting is, perfect. is 50% of it, right? And and uh, I think this show is, is, is exceptionally well cast. You, you, you put people there that the audience wants to spend time with yeah. right you know and 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 if they if they're going to go and, and and feel for those people and you know it makes your job way easier you know as and a writer I, yeah and i think what's great too is that it's how they all interact with one another and it, and you do get the sense you mentioned before how murdoch and i want to ask you guys about this um murdoch does a great job in of it as well of having a universe of characters and a world of characters and the world feels real and I think that's that's part of the appeal. So I, I'm taking from from what you're saying that I, I thought maybe there was some master plan involved, but I guess how could there be, right? It's got to be. Well, there was a master plan, but 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 honestly, we were just searching at the same time that yeah. the deadline was coming. Like the deadlines were so fast. I mean, you right. think about it. We had no. Um, outlines, pitches, anything together on November 1st, and we got ordered uh, February 14th. Um, you know, so that got us through an initial development phase where we, we did it. And then this is kind of like the worst case scenario in a funny way for, for writers because it goes like, but I've been working on my script for four years. Mm. And it's, and you know, I've got Bible, there was no Bibles, there was nothing of that sort of stuff. So we, the benefit of it was we could start from scratch. But we didn't have much room for error, and we and we still had to go through the whole process of what's this going to be or not going to be, and and you know that 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 was that was trying. So so in a funny way, it was like this works, that works. You know, people are going notes. No, you shouldn't do this. Yes, you should do that. You don't do this. And it was and it's just trying to hang on to what was good. You know, and it was it was also interesting the way, you know, we sort of conceive the show and then you know people were like well you know let's take it way over here and then and then gradually it just sort of trickled back to the essence of this partnership and then the supporting characters just sort of fell into place and as as we've said you know we we we, we really hit gold with casting mm-hmm. of Rebecca and Sharon as and, the two and Rebecca had done uh, Houdini mm. Doyle for yeah. Shaftesbury right. so again she was uh, she was a known entity Sharon mm-hmm. was again Stephanie Gordon yeah. suggested her and um, yeah Sharon's gold like I mean uh, she this episode not so much but no. but a couple of the other ones uh, there's there's some Although, really hello great, so. handsome is pretty great <laughs> yeah yes, exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah but you know but can I just take a second I I just like to acknowledge the other uh, writing writers that worked with us through these thirteen months because you know it, it sounds like Michelle Kell and I did it all by ourselves which we didn't and so I I think I introduced John and Andrew and Kerry and uh, Lucy who are here. And then um, in early development, we also uh, used the talents of Ian Carpenter and um, uh, Adriana Maggs and uh, Tamara Mullin. And Adriana and Ian also have episodes that are coming up. Who who have I left out? Ken Ken Cooperus. Ken Cooperus. And... Oh, Amanda then Faye. we had a hilarious situation in that we had two other writers and we, we, were, we, we did a sort of rotation of writers, as it turns out. 
And then uh, we, we hired a, a, a writer that we liked very much, Aisha Porter, Aisha Porter Christie, who did a really great pass on this episode. And I'd just like to credit her for that. In the whole process of every time we did stuff, she, she took this one and gave it a go over. Um, although it's very interesting to see it now and realize how much the bones of the first outline that we came up with are still there, which is great. And Aisha got a job that took her to LA. So we lost her. She was going to stay with us for a season. So Amanda Fahey, who was also one of our writers, took over. She was there, but she was going to peel off. So we asked Amanda, would you, would you hang in? And she said, yeah, sure, she would love to. So she took over Aisha's desk. Two weeks later, mm -hmm. Amanda gets a job in Los Angeles. <laughs> So we then decide this was the Los Angeles change. Lucy Paget then came in and filled in that spot. Thank yes, <laughs> Lucy is still here, thank God. But it was unbelievable that we would lose two writers to, um, to, to work in LA. Amanda went to work on Anne and uh, what was Aisha's show? Uh, Shadowhunters. Thank you. So you have a clear path, uh, writers. If you want to get to LA. <laughs> so I just want to acknowledge that and say that, you know, and, and sometimes people came in and, you know, came and went and what have you, but it was, uh, we were incredibly supported. And I think I, I know Cal and, and Michelle particularly would want to acknowledge that. Well, it's very gracious of you. And uh, the old cliche that it takes a village to raise a, a child, it takes uh, a lot of writers to do a show. Uh, and, you know, TV writing is, is really group writing. Mm -hmm. it, it's such a collaborative mm -hmm. uh, enterprise. Um, well, speaking of collaboration and groups, uh, we have a group of people here who I'm sure would love to uh, ask some questions of our talented co-creator and showrunner. Um, also, I should mention, and I feel funny about this, <laughs> we, it feels a little Hunger Games, but don't worry. Uh, we have two T-shirts here that are wonderful. Oh. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, that we we were trying to come up with some system. They're they're really. Hold on. That's the girls. That's the ladies' T-shirt. Ladies, ladies. We write the north. Oh, the men one. And it says Writers Guild can on the back. So they're they're lovely, uh, hundred percent cotton T-shirts <laughs> that uh, we would we would love to uh, um, give out. We do not have a T-shirt cannon, unfortunately. Although we tried to wrangle one. Uh, so, uh, have we landed on a, a distribution method? Are we just going to pick uh, over to you guys? It's your show. Uh, All the pressure's on you. How do you wish to distribute these shows? Organizer bills. You know. Um, well, I, I mean, we, somebody suggested a trivia contest. So, um, uh, how about um, uh, where were where was uh, um, Abe Amory from? There you go. You got a T-shirt. All right. There you go. Well done. Yeah, yeah. and uh, now I got to think of something. Only the some... boys can answer this one. Okay. This well, you can win it for your lady if you oh, really yeah, want. No, step, this is a boys one that's or, left. But anyway, lady, yeah. step up for your guy, you know, yeah. or, or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, 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 What's the name of the show? No. Yeah. Yeah. What was Frankie's father's name? Way to go, ladies. There you go. There you go. Fantastic. Man, no, man I'm very disappointed. Ready? I'm going to try this. Hey. Wow. It's cricket. 
Next time, we should do it like Oprah style and have 150 shirts. T-shirt for you. The T-shirt for you. Yeah. An hour later, it's the T-shirt for you. T-shirt for you. Yeah. Oprah style. Yeah. Oprah style. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, let's hear some questions from the audience. Over there. I had a question as someone who's like just starting out as a like interested in writing. Um, what's is there a different thought process between writing for a TV series and writing for say a short film or a feature film and that sort of thing? Yes, <laughs> I think so. Um, uh, for me, anyway, when I think of uh, when if I have an idea, the what makes me think it's a TV series will be something where. You can do it over and over and over again. So a mystery show, I mean, I, I, mysteries are my thing, so that's, you know. But it, it, it's something where you know that you can tell a million stories because hopefully it will go on as long as Murdoch has gone on for. And I think that would be the difference. I mean, I, I personally have a problem with the of coming up with an idea for a short film. I, I completely draw a blank at the idea of what a short film would be. But... Um, you know, just explore what you're interested in. I mean, look look what Michelle and I did. We just goofed around with this idea of these private detectives. Truly, I know that sounds ridiculous and I'm being coy, but it was true. And uh, it was like a joke between us. And then we're like, well, you know, this really could be a show. So you never know what will, what will end up being something that, that sticks. So, uh, but yes, I, don't you think that's the difference, main difference? Yeah, yeah, and I think I think there's you know a, a kind of a different probably discipline you have to mm -hmm. bring to the maybe the structure and the storytelling. It depends on your series, yes. right? Like I mean, you know, but, obviously but the initial idea. Yeah, yeah, the core idea, yeah. sure, yeah, and and then you know, but there's so many different types of TV show now that you know it, it's mm -hmm. it's so wide ranging. It's you know I I think it's harder to do the kind of you know obviously up here in Canada it's harder to do the big. Uh, serialized, uh, you know, uh, ca show. cable show. It's yeah. just we don't have the financial structure really in place for many of those. So, you know, you tend to go to network-type structures and stuff like that. And that's a, that's a certain beastie, you know, you have to start, you know, I, I still think of everything in three acts, but I divide them up a little bit differently. Like I'll use a tease as a tease and then an act one and mm -hmm. the, the middle two or act two and the last act is... Is three in my Dynamo kind of thing. I, was I, a, I still do that stuff. Yeah. I was on a show with a, a writer who uh, named Bobby Theodore, who used to work with you, and he actually mm -hmm. taught me the Calcoon's structure, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I wrote it down. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I did. I have uh, used it. Yeah. So I have to. I have to keep it really simple because I, I, it's the, I, I just have to. That's my flat process. I, I'm not very uh, clever when it comes to like like that. So I keep my ideas really small. That's not true. At all. That's not true. Come on, Cal. Well, we it, all love you. It's very interesting on theme. Yeah. yeah. Two more questions. We've got one right in the back. Um, how did you select your writers? Oh, God. How did we select our writers? Um, well, you know, I mean, you know, Carol and Michelle were, you know, obviously a big chunk of the writers' room. And then we just, you know, we rely, like Shaftesbury sees, uh, you know, probably every writer in the country is on, is on their radar. In some in some way, and mm -hmm. you know we you know they have people they want to work with, and they would suggest people to us, and we read people, and 
in this case, we're looking for a kind of combination of, um, you know, uh, women's voices, and and we try try to work some, uh, you know, um, kind of. Um, Oh, we need a mystery writer. We want a people yeah, who could, because it's a very highly structured form to do a mystery. The mystery is is yeah. surprisingly difficult. Yeah. Like I think you know, if you if you actually sat down, and I don't, and I and I I, I gotta distinguish between um, a procedural and a mystery. I think they're very different beasties, yeah. and um, and we didn't want to do kind of a procedural. This was you know. At heart, it's a mystery, and how that how that thing goes out, and whether it's a wheel of suspects or a prime suspect first, or you know, first you know, like you mastermind type one, Banachek's, whatever. You know, we we we. So I think a lot of that stuff went into our, our choices of people who had backgrounds and those kinds of things, and and then and then tone and uh, you know tone and who we thought were writing kind of some interesting stuff and had had a witty tone with them as well. We're looking for humor and. And, um, yeah, and so uh, who we felt comfortable with. And we, we sort of had a, I want to say, a, we had a sort of um, movable feast in terms of our writing room. It was very unconventional, partly because of the time frame we were working in, partly because people get getting jobs in L.A. and, <laughs> and, and budget. So, you know, it was, a, it was not a conventional writing room this, uh, mm. this season. Yeah, and and you know, like I, I mean, I'm I'm of two minds about writing rooms. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I mean, part of me, part of me really likes uh, writers to bring, you know, thirty five beats with them, and that's hard to do in a mystery because then you got to have a you know trying trying to build a bulletproof mystery, and you know sometimes it works to put it on the board, and sometimes it doesn't. You know, in, is my experience, and sometimes so we help, and sometimes we don't. But you know, I, I I'm. I think Carol would would that I get frustrated or, or sometimes and uh, you know because I just I just want to do things and so I go like show me the thirty five beats I don't really care what you guys are talking about in there you know and so it's, but it was in, it's interesting the first time I ever worked with Cal was when I mean this is oh god this is probably too boring to tell I'll try and tell it short was episode two they handed me a one pager it was actually three quarters of a page of a mystery and it was a very unusual mystery because it was a wasn't a who done it it was how done it um, in that Murdoch it's it's sort of the perfect crime and how can Murdoch catch the guys and and my task was to go away and come back with the 32 beats or whatever the heck it was I don't think you classified it as that and I put it up on the board and I was the outside writer I was terrified I put this thing up on the board and um, Cal sits there and he had this graph paper making notes and yada da. And he stood up and, and anyway, he went through it all. And at the end of it, and Paul Aiken, who was one of the seasoned you know, Murdoch uh, writers, at the end of it, he liked to kid me for the next 10 years or eight seasons that we worked together that I, when Cal finished, I went, yeah, but now I don't have an act too. And, you know, he just took it apart, moved it all around, this and that. But I think there's something to be said for having... Uh, a group discussion to begin with about what the episode is, what it can be, what the themes are, what's going to be the impact on our characters or all of that. And then a writer goes away and really does try and block out those four acts and give it those beats and then brings it back to the room. And then the room then inputs on something rather than everybody sort of throwing in disparate ideas. So if there's a sort of consensus initially on a, for want of a better word, one pager, and then someone breaking it out, and then the writer's room coming in and really pushing what's already there. 
And then for me, I would go away, work on that, and come back and put it back up again. So that you get everybody's input, but it's pushing one story forward rather than let's slide it sideways, let's do this, let's do that, da 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 da. But you know, it's an organic process, and it really depends on who your room is. And, and, you, and you don't want the whole room bogged down on, an, on no. one, one mystery point. You know, you can't do that. There's yeah. not enough time. Yeah, and, then, and, then, yeah, and a time factor is as well. But that way, you can also be working on more than one story at a time. So that one story can be in this level of development, one further on, et cetera. And, you know, and again, I think it just depends on the personalities who are involved. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm, great answer. Sujith. Um, so on Murdoch, uh, and a lot of these classic mystery TV shows, every case of the week is the characters go into a different world. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I don't know if that's going to happen in Frankie Bear, because I don't want to see one. Um, but if that's going to happen, uh, you're in the 20s. How do you do your research? Uh, where are you getting all of that stuff? Because obviously the best stuff is not going to be able to make up anyway. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the research that goes into the world you go into? Yeah, well, yeah. well we, we had, uh, you know, um, we hired some researchers, <laughs> you know, some people who... Well, were, Lucy was a great researcher, yeah, as Kerry. And, 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 you know, we, we leaned a lot on, on some mm-hmm. of, our, of our, our staff to, to do that. We had uh, um, Shaftesbury had Mike Filey, who's a historian, and, you know, around in Toronto, he's got a column, and he was, he was doing stuff. We had some, consulted with some guys who did, uh, what's uh, it? The, 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 Torontoists. The Torontoists, and they had well, a, they have uh, a... Websites, fantastic. Yeah, yeah and, and, they, and they consulted with us and mm-hmm. got it a big package, and then, and then we, you know, oftentimes it was just people finding their own, their and, own kind of interesting subject and then drilling into it and yeah, making exactly. reaching out to specialists in that area right you know well that yeah, i mean michelle and i i think i said earlier really love history so uh you know we on murdoch we did all our own research so you would just find it so for example um uh, there's an episode that oh i can't it's not really it, it, it touches on issues of uh, the Chinese community in Toronto in the 1920s that I worked on. It doesn't, it's not really, um, we don't go into the world, but we touch on it. And there's sort of some issues around that. And that's all factually accurate, I hope. And that, you know, so we... we <laughs> Close enough. The, the writers, I mean, I, you know, I'm Michelle kidding. and I, Michelle and I tend to um, do, we just like to do our own research. It's sort of part of developing the story as well. And there's some stuff that is, you know, facts stranger than fiction. Yeah, Cal absolutely. Like you said, Sujit, you, you yeah. can't You can't be, make some of this yeah, shit up. Yeah, 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 for sure. And that Cal did one on, on communism. And that, you know, again, some of that was sort of based in sort of reality situations. So... Um, we, you know, and, and I think Frankie does go into different worlds. This is a slightly anomaly, anomalous one in a way. Like in, often in things, it's either an issue or a world or a specific character that takes a... I also, I also, I also think that's equally important to understand the crimes. Like, I mean, the yeah. psychology of the crime. The psychology of the of the of the, of the criminal. I find it, I find it in, in, in these sorts of shows, it's really important that you figure out why they did it, what they're trying to achieve, and how they thought they were going to get away with it. And then the better that plan is, the better your detective will be defined by un- unwinding that plan. So I spend a lot of time personally looking at crimes. Like, I, I'll look at modern crimes, you know, like, and try and see if I can understand the, um, the, the overarching kind of uh, uh, motivations of the criminal 
then uh, then it goes a long way for helping me and then I can transpose that into a period setting and yeah. and then I start to pick you know we had a board too by the way of yeah. just things like existing architecture that stills 20s you know like so could we do something at um, at Sunnyside Pavilion, right? Which, Which just, we did. And we did, and that, that was John's yeah. job, was to yeah. figure out how to make a movie. And we wanted to do something with Max Sennett, and Max Sennett was on the board in Sunnyside Pavilion, and how does that evolve into something, oh, mm -hmm. maybe bathing beauties, so maybe that'll be in it. And, you know, like, and so the story sort of kind of unfolds, and then you start backfilling with, with the details uh, and the research as well. So, But for me, it's a lot of it's mm -hmm. about, is about getting the crime. Tell us the crime master of finding a modern-day crime and then figuring out how to make that give it a period twist but the but the other thing is in the first season Shaftesbury was dead keen on us exploring our characters as much as possible um backstory etc etc and um so you know in some instances stories began with the idea this is going to be a story for Mary and like okay how can we explore Mary what do we do da 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 or let's give more for Flo to do or whatever so um, whereas on Murdoch, often we would begin with the idea of someone would come in and go, you know, I really think it would be cool to do a story set in the, I can't think of one, I can't think of a single Murdoch episode. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah I mean, I mean, Whatever Buffalo it is. Bill's Wild West show, you know. Yeah. That's, uh, that in some instances, but that's, what, that, that's the very place we would begin. And maybe that will be the case moving forward with Frankie. I think I think the challenge is sorry, James. I was just going to say that moving forward with Frankie, it's like at a certain point you run out of stories about their families. Exactly. You know, the family can't I show can't up. Wait. Oh no, it's my uncle now. Is is yeah. you yeah, know yeah. And, you know and and he's a different bird or something. You know, we have to we have to graduate now as people learn the characters into how to how the you know how's the crime and how the, the personal angle gets driven out of how the characters feel about the crime and how it affects mm -hmm. them. So that's that's going to be the big I, task moving forward with the show. I think it'll be exciting actually because you you know now you're going to explore character through how they cope with things that come out them well the the ratings have been good and uh, judging from this turnout I think there's a lot of interest and uh, excitement about this show and I know I got a lot out of uh, uh, this conversation so I really want to thank you Carol and Cal I want to thank all of you for turning out yes thank, thank you, you very thank, much thank you, for you coming. so much and thank the Writers Guild for presenting uh, um, Writers Talking TV and uh, please keep your eye out for uh, for the next uh, Writers Talking TV event and, and again thank you all for coming out tonight Thanks, James. Thanks, Thank Jim. you. Thank you. Writers Talking TV is presented by the Writers Guild of Canada. Check out previous episodes on iTunes or on the Writers Guild website, wgc.ca. Thanks to the team at Tiff Bell Lightbox and to technical producer Devin Robbins. Thanks again to Carol Hay and Cal Coons. And be sure to catch Frankie Drake Mysteries Mondays at 9 p.m. on CBC and anytime on demand. I'm James Hurst. Thanks for listening to Writers Talking TV.